Hello, Michael Lombardo here. I wanted to take a moment and invite you to Awaken Dallas. My wife and I planted a church in the central northern Dallas area at the beginning of this year. We launched out on Resurrection Sunday. I wanted to invite you. We meet Sundays at 4 p.m., and our vision is to know Jesus deeply and to live for him passionately. First, we must know him, and that will empower great exploits. Our mission is to ignite a movement of spirit-filled disciples, disciples that students of the King, that we would burn with first love passion and that we'd be equipped to spread the gospel to the world around us in love and power. Our four pillars are the presence of God. Number one, that is everything to us. We prioritize his presence. We love him. We want to know him. We want to carry him to the world around us. It's his presence that distinguishes us from the nations of the world. Number two, that we would be equipped, that we need to be equipped for the work of service, for our callings. This is very important. The foundation of the word of God, the spiritual fathers and mothers to be able to be sharpened by the word, healed by the word of God. So we need to be equipped for our callings. Number three, we are a church on mission together. We all have a sphere to influence. We all have a calling and a people group to influence for the gospel, to be a light, a city set on a hill. And as a church, we are fulfilling the great commission. And number four, we are a spiritual family. We all need a community. We all need to spur one another on towards good works and to meet together, to not neglect that, to have a spiritual community and family. And so if you want to come join us, it's Sundays at 4 p.m. We'd love to have you. You could also go to www.awakendallas.com, which will be in the description section. Hello, hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I'm excited to continue our series in the Glorious Church. Today, we're going to be talking about the gospel of grace. Before we do, make sure to go to awakendallas.com to find out more about our church here in Dallas, Texas. We meet Sundays at 4 p.m., but from there, you can also find our Awaken Equipping courses. This is our first one. It's going to be a six-week course on soul health, inner healing, and identity in Christ Jesus. I'm going to be teaching, my wife's going to be teaching a spiritual mother of mine, Miss Sharon Hobbs, is going to be teaching. Dr. Mark Sharona, who is a prolific author, pastor, minister in the body of Christ, um, as well as Dr. Brian Simmons, who's the author of the Passion Translation. So it's going to be power packed. It's free. Five uh, five sessions are going to be via Zoom, so it's not only open to Awaken Dallas members, but also for those who are outside of Awaken Dallas around the world. And one of the sessions are going to be in person after our Sunday service at 6.15 p.m. And so all the details are on the website. The link is below. Click on it and you'll find out more about our equipping course. It starts mid-July, I believe July 13th. And so uh, make sure to l- sign up for that. It's totally free. Now we're going to get into part two of the Glorious Church. We're going to be talking about the gospel of grace, but most, more specifically, honestly, we're going to be talking about progressive revelation and how the first church grew in revelation of the gospel because it wasn't easy. When you go to the book of Acts, you see people that were entrenched in Judaism. They were Jews. They grew up in Israel in a Jewish culture under the law. They had to follow the law, every jot and tittle. They had to follow it, okay? And so for them to understand an old covenant fulfilled and there's a new covenant in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ and it's by grace through faith and we don't need to have any additives or any add-ons like, hey, yeah, it's by 
faith in Jesus Christ through the grace of God, but also you need to get circumcised. Also, you need to follow the laws of Moses. Also, you need to do the purification stuff and adhere to all the festivals. No, God put away the old covenant. He put away the law. Well, he didn't just put it away. He fulfilled it entirely in his life. He fulfilled it, and now it has become obsolete, according to the book of Hebrews. So now Jewish people that were used to living that way now need to live by grace through faith. And now the obedience of the new covenant is an obedience of faith. And so they they did not have that full revelation right away. They got glimpses of it. They got they got pieces of revelation. They had moments of revelation. They kept growing in their revelation. But when you read the book of Acts, you don't see right away that revelation taking place. You see them wrestling through things. You see hard questions coming up. You see persecution even from Jewish believers. Um, I'm going to mention here in the book of Acts, um, I'm going to mention here in this teaching, a group called the Judaizers, or they're called the circumcision party, according to the book of Acts. This is the group of people that the apostle Paul rebuked in the book of Galatians. He called them a doctrine of demons. What they're sharing is a doctrine of demons. Well, guess what? This group of people, these Judaizers or circumcision party that are propagating this gospel, this, uh, this false gospel, this gospel of, it says, uh, doctrine of demons, um, and essentially that, that is harsh language. And that is the language we even need to be using with, with, with the gospel of mixture, because what he talks about in Galatians is that they're preaching. Yes, you believe in Jesus to be saved, but also you need to be circumcised. Also you need to follow the law of Moses. Also, you need to fulfill the festivals and do all the stuff. And so they're adding to the work of Christ. It's Jesus plus equals salvation. Jesus in an additive equals salvation. No, it is Jesus Christ alone that single-handedly saves us. And it's trusting in that reality that brings our new birth and causes us to be born again and to be saved and delivered from the ways of this world, the corruption of this world, are accepting and receiving the free gift of salvation that he gave to every single person. And so, but you will see in the book of Acts, this group called the Circumcision Party or the Judaizers, they actually came from the church of James. And the apostle James was the brother of Jesus, and he was the pastor, the apostle, over the church in Jerusalem. And so there was a group of radical people um, that were preaching a mixed form of the gospel, a mixture and really a false gospel. And they were trying to put heavy demands on the Gentiles, telling the Gentiles that, yes, you can get saved, but you also got to follow the law of Moses. They never followed the law of Moses. Why are we going to tell them to do that now? And it was the apostle Paul. And it was, it was Peter had an experience where the Gentiles got saved. And they were trying, they were, they were gathering together to try to figure out, well, well, what do we tell the Gentiles? They got to follow the law at least a little bit. Like James's people are saying, you know, there's for the law and they want to follow the law. And not everybody in James's church was like that, but there was a radical sect. And so just to give you a little bit of a precursor here on this teaching, but they were coming into this revelation. Okay. And so the church didn't have it all together in terms of their orthodoxy and their orthopraxy. All right. Orthodoxy is right. Believing it's, it's a proper opinion. And then orthopraxy is right. Living is how we live it out, how we flesh it out. Cause it can't just be in our heads and our belief system. It needs to be fleshed out into our lives and how we live. And so they were figuring all this stuff out as the Holy spirit gave them a revelation. All right. So the revelation of the gospel of grace was coming progressively to the church in the book of acts. And you see it playing out. I'm going to give you four spots that you can dissect yourself, okay? I'm going to give you four spots that you could look in yourself and you could read and make sure I'm not lying to you, all right? And so number one, it's Peter at Cornelius's house. This is Acts chapter 10 and 11. So Peter is in a loft and he is 
praying. And as he's praying, he sees a vision of unclean animals. And the Lord tells him, kill and eat. And he says, Lord, I'll never eat these unclean animals. Because according to Jewish culture and tradition, they weren't able to eat the animals that the Lord showed him in a vision. And then he said, no, Lord. And the Lord said, do not call unholy or profane what I have made holy or what I call holy. And then the apostle Peter learned that um, the Lord was saying, don't call the Gentiles unholy. I have made them clean. Bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Because a man showed up from Cornelius's house, which was an Italian um, guard or governor at that, a governor at that time, took Peter to his house. He was a fervent man of prayer. He he prayed to the Lord and the Lord had an angel appear to him. You'll read the whole, read the whole thing there in Acts chapter 10 and 11. But it was a divine circumstance that brought together Cornelius and his entire household and those who were eager to hear the word of God and the apostle Peter. And when the apostle Peter was there at his household speaking to these Gentiles, he began to share the gospel with them. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit fell on them and there was manifestations of the Spirit, tongues, prophecy, you know, just like what happened in the upper room with the Jews at Pentecost. So now rumors began to spread. Oh my God, Peter's talking to the Gentiles about the gospel. And we know now the revelation that Jews and Gentiles are alike. We're one person in Christ Jesus, but they didn't understand this at the time. They're saying, you preach the gospel to the Gentiles? And Peter was just like, listen, he had to tell them. Hey, and this is this is Acts eleven sixteen. He said, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I to stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles, he also granted repentance, which leads to life. And so they're all like, wow. And then everyone rejoiced and everyone praised God. They're like, wow, God's doing the same thing among the Gentiles. They're like, wow, they're starting to get this gospel of grace. Now, do they need to believe, the, do they need to follow the law too if he's saving them? And so what you have, the second part that I want to mention is the Jerusalem council. This is Acts 15, 1 through 34. So there's a lot of study. You guys need to open up your Bible and love your Bible, okay? But if you want to open it up, the Gentile converts were being disturbed by the circumcision party, that group that came from the Jerusalem church under Apostle James. The Jerusalem party, that circumcision party was saying, you guys, I know you're saved now. That's great. We'll accept that, I guess, (laughs) you know, but you need to follow the law. So the Gentile converts were like disturbed. They're like, we really need to follow the law to be saved. And so... Peter began to tell them like, hey, listen, the Gentiles were getting saved and baptized with the spirit. Paul and Barnabas stood up and said, we've been seeing miracles taking place among the Gentiles. Like, what do we do here? So they said, okay, tell this to the Gentiles. You're saved. We love you. Just don't eat anything sacrificed to idols. Number one, which uh, later on, the apostle Paul says, just pray for it and you can eat it. So they're just they're trying to figure this thing out. Number two, don't eat anything strangled and blood uh, with blood. And uh, that's never mentioned again in the Bible. And so don't really know the importance or significance of that because it's never mentioned again. Number three, don't commit sexual immorality, which we know remains a mark of holy living for believers under the new covenant, right? Doesn't save you, but it is a mark of holy living that we've been, that we are grafted into the new covenant. So that being said, they're kind of like, let's just give them a few rules to follow. And if they follow these rules, we know that they'll be doing good, right? And they'll be okay. Um, and so, you know, this, this changes over time, but they're just trying to, let's just get together and figure out what in the world's going on with these Gentiles being saved, this group of radical Jews that now believe in Christ, but are trying to put the law on people. 
And so number three, another instance is the mixture in the church in Jerusalem. Just like I said, in Acts 21 verses 17 to 36, you see that you see that circumcision group again come from James's church. Um, and it says James told Paul like, What's going on, man? He's he, James, Apostle James began to rejoice about the Gentiles being saved and all the miracles being done. But then the Apostle James says to the Apostle Paul, he says, like, listen, like, there's rumors that you are saying that we don't need to even get into the law at all. And we're zealous for the law here and we're on the new and we're on the new covenant of grace. And so uh, he's like, here's what you need to do. Like, come to our church and let's just squash this thing. We've got some people taking a vow right now. They're shaving their head. They're fasting for seven days. And so they're like doing ritualistic things from the old covenant. He's like, how about you? Uh, how about you go ahead and do that with us? Shave your head, take part in the vow. And hey, maybe the people will see that these things that they're saying about you aren't true. Now, the apostle Paul actually said he would do it. Okay. Um, you see later in his epistles, like in Galatians, he was very strong against all of these things in Colossians, very strong against all these things. So you even see Paul growing in his revelation. You see Paul getting better understanding back then. He just trying to say, listen, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm a believer. Right. And then he did, he did it. And then they still rose up against him and persecuted him. Believers in that church, not just unbelievers. And so this is wild to kind of see what's happening here. And I'm going to name one more instance. This is where Paul opposes Peter. And it's in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Peter was eating with the believers that were Jews and Gentiles. No problem. Not showing any partiality or favoritism, eating with both the Jews and the Gentiles that were believers. But when that circumcision group or that Judaizers group from James's church came into town, Peter, the apostle Peter began to neglect the Gentiles out of the fear of man. And he began to spend only time with the Jews that were believers. And it said that even Barnabas, Paul said even Barnabas was going astray and was affected by Peter's cowardice. And so he, Paul stood up, the apostle Paul stood up and he rebuked Peter to his face saying like, how dare you essentially like, come on, we're one body in Christ Jesus. There's no differential between Jew and Gentile in Christ Jesus anymore. And so these guys, man, they were, they were seeing the miraculous. The church was growing. There were signs and wonders. There was radical generosity numbers, thousands upon thousands are being added to the church, but they were trying to figure out their doctrine. Like there's a whole new world here. We thought Jesus was just going to come and save the Jewish people. And the rest of the world is going to be in subjection to Christ Jesus, our Messiah and the Jewish people. And 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 now we're realizing that, oh, wow, so I guess God did want to bless the world through Abraham, and the Gentiles are a part of this thing, so how are we going to do this? And so I'm saying all this to show you something that I feel like isn't broken open much in the, in the scriptures, the gospels in general. Um, people don't talk about this much, but also I, I saw a vision the other day of, I was praying and I just saw a road. It was like the road that we take as believers. And I saw treasures buried along that road. And I just saw the Lord bringing us into revelation as we walk in the way, as we walk in his, on his path, and as we yield ourselves and walk with him, there's treasures that we discover and that we dig up. And these treasures are revelation. And, and, and they become like like building blocks in our lives, living stones that build us up into a, a spiritual man and build us up into the into the fullness of Christ Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you guys, like keep walking the way. You 
There, there are treasures along the way. He's going to bring you revelation. As you seek him, you will find him. And as you find him, you will revel in him and delight in him and be satisfied because he's glorious, because he's lovely. And you'll be so satisfied that you'll have to keep seeking and, you'll, and then you'll keep finding and then you will revel and enjoy and be satisfied again on your journey with the Lord. We are all stepping into greater revelation. What I know now, I'm going to know so much more at 90 years old and there's going to be so much more to know that is going to be impact to us as we see him face face to face that we'll just we'll just know in our hearts by looking at him so daily we're beholding him daily we're coming into a greater place of revelation okay just like the first church and so it's just like an easter egg hunt all right and i'm not saying i believe in the easter bunny like i don't believe in the easter bunny but you know what i mean i believe in you know doing the easter bunny thing or doing egg hunts with the kids like i'm not promoting that but i'm just using it as an example of when it comes to you know as parents we want our kids to have fun we put candies and money and things like that inside of Easter eggs. And then we hide them all across the yard. And then we send the kids out and we're not trying to hide everything from them so they can't get it. But no, we're, we're trying to make it easy, even put things in visible locations, but still hide it so that it's fun, right? We hide it enough where there's thrill and there's excitement and there's, and there's searching and there's finding. But then also we we put them in just enough of a spot where you can kind of see it so it's not that hard so your kids could find them, right? And so it's the same thing with God. He knows there's a thrill and there's an excitement and there's a joy and there's there's so much joy in seeking and then finding. And then when we find there's treasure inside, there's money inside, there's something glorious for us to take and enjoy and revel in and even share with those around us. Father God does that. He hides it for the exploration factor, for the thrill factor, but he puts it in a in a visible enough spot so that it's not too hard because he wants us to find. That's the point of hiding things. He doesn't hide things from us. He hides them for us, right? It's the glory of God. Of the, 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 It's the glory of kings to seek God out, all right? It's the glory of God to reveal himself. And so... um. If you go on, it talks about the gospel to the Jews, the gospel of Jesus Christ being a stumbling block for the Jews and it being a foolishness for the Gentiles. The Gentiles are linear thinkers. They're like, they got to understand it all. A man hanging on a tree that brings salvation. How? You know, give us something a little bit clear or something little that I can understand with my mind. And the Jews are more like, show us a miracle, man. The Jews are like, show us a miracle because, hey, listen, like, this is crazy. Like, what do you mean not follow the law? What do you mean that it's a free gift of grace like that? You know, we got to we got to follow God. We got to be holy. Like, come on. Like, th- th- this is up to us, too. And so, you know, you have this gospel that was scandalous. So good. So good. that The first church, like didn't even know what to do with it. They were still exploring it and gaining revelation on it. But if we're going to go into what the gospel did, I'm not going to bring up every scripture reference, but in the old covenant, our sin was covered. And in the new covenant, we're completely cleansed. First John one, um, I believe it was 17 and nine, 17 through 19. And then it says in the old covenant, there was a continual remembrance of sins yearly. But in the new covenant, Jesus died for all of our sins for all time, past, present, and future. In the old covenant, we were accountable to God for our sins. In the new covenant, our sins will not be taken into account. Romans 4 8. In the old covenant, there was no freedom from the actual entity of sin. In the new covenant, our old sinful self was crucified with Christ. We became supernatural new creations, freed from the very entity of sin. Romans 6 6. In Hebrews 8 10, it says in the old covenant, we had to obey laws written on tablets of stone, exterior laws. And in the new covenant, the law of God is written on our hearts. We'll be given the spirit to empower us to obey. 
the, co- the, the commandments of God. In Romans 1.17, it says the old covenant was one of obedience to rules, but the new covenant is one of faith. And we can keep on going. Galatians 3.13, we were cursed if we disobeyed the old covenant, but in the new covenant, Jesus became a curse for us so that we could be curse-free. In the old covenant, we had a flawed high priest that needed to make sacrifices not only for the people, but for themselves too. And in the new covenant, we have a perfect high priest who lives forever and perfects every worshiper. We're we're perfect and blameless and blemishless in his eyes in this new covenant. In the old covenant, disobedience only didn't bring curses, but also brought poverty, sickness, death. In the new covenant, it brings life, financial blessing, healing, curses broken, etc. And so much more forgiveness of sins all that freedom from sin the old covenant gave the enemy a case to condemn us because there was a law and we did not fulfill the law we could not live up to the law so it gave the accuser room to accuse us and condemn us but in the new covenant Jesus became the fulfillment of the law and the end of the law for those who live righteously. Now we get to point to Jesus and say, Satan, you can't condemn us because Jesus Christ paid my debt, because Jesus Christ is my example, because Jesus Christ, I receive his reward because he took my curse and he took my criminal record on himself so I could receive his record of righteousness. It's not by me, but it's by him. Salvation by grace through faith. Amen. In the old covenant, we're married to the law and it brought bondage to sin. In the new covenant, we're married to the perfect man, Jesus Christ, who we could bear fruit for God. That's Romans 7.4. And there's so much more. I just met a young man, an individual who had such a hard time believing that grace is a free gift. And all we need to do is believe in the grace of God poured out through the cross, the resurrection, the baptism of the spirit, the life of Christ, just through the gospel, just the reality of the grace of God, that it's by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. He had such a hard time. He's like, am I saved? How do I know I'm saved? And I just prayed for him and blessed him. And I shared the gospel with him. And I yeah, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was having such a hard time wrapping his mind around it. I'm like, man, don't wrap your mind around it. Receive it in your heart. You're feeling the spirit of God right now. I know you are. I'm like, just say yes in your heart and your mind will catch up later. And but I just saw a human soul that was having such a hard time grasping the grace of God for his life. We need to beware of mixture. We can't work our way into God's favor. We can't clean ourselves up before we come to God. We don't work our way into his power, anointing, and breakthrough. Jesus is our breakthrough. He is the one that pours out his power. It is his anointing. His anointing is free for believers, but he paid a high price. It's not cheap. Our righteousness and holiness are not contingent upon our behavior and obedience. We can't earn his love, earn his blessings, perform our way into his smile and good graces. We're not praying for revival, crying out for revival. No, in the new covenant, we are revival. God's not the reluctant ones. We're the reluctant ones in obeying him and walking with him. Beware of the false prophets that tell you that we are stepping into a season of fruitfulness. No, you could always be fruitful. That's sensationalism. That's fluff. That we're in a time of open heavens. No, we have perpetual open heavens through Jesus Christ. He opened the heavens and he lives on the inside of us. That we need to fast our way into power and breakthrough. No, Jesus is our breakthrough. Fasting is a tool. And yes, fasting is good and great. But Jesus, his cross, his resurrection, the Holy Spirit, this is the source of all breakthrough in our lives. Beware of individuals that use sensationalism and fluff so we could clickbait, so we can click on their word and it could bring false hope to those who don't have a revelation of the gospel. 
We need to listen to ministers and preachers that preach the true unadulterated gospel of Christ. And it says, I'm going to read this and end. It says in 2 Peter 3.18, may may we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So may we be patient with ourselves in our spiritual growth process, knowing that even the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, the Apostle Paul, the the leaders of the first church who wrote these scriptures, anointed and empowered by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit, they even were growing in their revelation. God just, that's the way he works, progressive revelation. Number two, we need to understand that the length of us and, and time of being born again, doesn't matter how long we've been saved, it doesn't equate to spiritual maturity. I've known someone who's been saved 40, 50 years and aren't as spiritually mature as someone saved two or three years that are fully yielded to God. So be patient with yourself in your maturing process. Just be yielded to him. Number three, be committed to growing in revelation of the gospel of grace. Dive into the messages of grace. Dive into identity. Dive into these things so that your mind can be renewed to the grace of God. And number four, reject mixture, reject works-based old covenant teachings. Amen. Stay away from those who teach those things. I bless you. May you come into revelation. May you continue to walk the path that God has for you. May you find treasures along the way. May you be transformed by the beautiful gospel of Christ. May you reject mixture. And may we continue to grow as a beautiful bride of Christ together. Bless you. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go to our website. Click the link below for our Awaken Equipping courses. We're doing a course on soul health, inner healing, identity in Christ. Six six weeks long. It's totally free. Myself, Selena, my wife. Sharon Hobbs, Dr. Mark Sharona, and Dr. Brian Simmons will be teachers and instructors for that course. Um, Sign up online. Emails will be going out soon, and I'll talk to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. 
DestinyIMGOTL.org, or you can go to DestinyImage.com. The audiobook is available as well on Amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at DestinyImage.com. And so, bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.